Our opinions aren't too tough, rough, or gruff. We are proof that you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. So just... Shut up and sit down. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. We are get pumped, get excited. We uh, we're coming, we're coming live on our Sunday recording. We've had a chance to, uh, you know, look at some of the football that's been going on this weekend. One more week, Jim. One more week. Yes. Get ready. Get ready. College football starts this coming weekend, buddy, and I'm pumped. So we know that we're going to finish up our Big Ten preview this week as well we'll do our nfl recap with nate's bad calls of the week question mark nate had a big week so we'll see how that plays into this um our fast five where we're gonna get into some interesting topics some things going on in the sports world and uh i feel like jim's got an axe to grind with one of our loyal followers yeah 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 it's the usual i i see you scott well, then get into the good, bad, and the ass hat. And ten, at the end of the show, you're actually going to hear a new a new song, and it is going to be based off of a competition win this week. The only person who participated in the competition, by the way, is going yeah. to have their song. I'm a little disappointed in you, Nate. Like, you couldn't even throw a song in there? Like, you could have put the song that you're danced with your new wife to, and you could have just thrown that out there. Uh, I don't think that one would have won it anyway, so... That didn't just, get you pumped uh, up? No, I mean, it's not a pump-up song by any means. <laughs> as, as his wife's sitting there right next to him, I'm just trying to get him in trouble. <laughs> Ooh, we got some head shakes. <laughs> All right, as everybody here, Nate, Nate is with us. Nate got married this past Friday. Congratulations, Yay! Nate. Thank you, thank you. Did you do the beanbag bop song at your wedding? No, that, unfortunately, that did not make the cut. Oh. <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately i'm gonna say unfortunately okay mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like the person beside you is <laughs> thinking the exact opposite exactly i don't know i'll have to play it for her once we're done here and see what she thinks Ooh. let us I'm know what she thinks coming to a wedding near you the beanbag drop bop bop <laughs> I keep on calling the remix drop. the remix is the drop drop <laughs> we're gonna drop the mixtape later guys well dropping it later okay to get into our nfl recap week six of the nfl we have made it to week six it's been a lot of a lot of scares a lot of shuffling um but we made it to week six there was not a thursday game this week first week we haven't had a thursday game but before we get into sunday's games thus far um did want to call attention to the Titans-Bills game on Monday. Um, aside from the Titans just walloping the Bills, Derrick Henry comes through with the stiff arm from hell on Monday Oof. night. Muff, will you say what the quote was that you created? Because that needs to have its due. I simply found an image of Derrick Henry um, just 
put putting Josh Norman straight onto his backside and said, by God, he tossed him right into the last pandemic or all the way to the last pandemic. You were one of the first ones to create a meme. And for us, that's pretty good. And then the memes just dropped right after you. So I think you should get your due. And I posted about it. Good on you. That was a good, that was a good meme. Yeah, and he did McDonald's last year looked like a baby play. Oh, yeah, absolutely! Right. <laughs> he just tossed him. Oh, uh, it was it was it. So coming into today's games, let's start with the Titans. The Titans versus the Texans, a barn burner as the Titans send it into overtime and then come out on top, forty-two to thirty-six. Jim, I think, has an analytic breakdown on this. Romeo showed why he should not be a head coach. He's up seven, and he decides to go for two. And the announcer, I don't know who the announcer was, he comes, he pulls a little card out, and he goes, every head coach, every head coach, and even the guys in the booth have this card. It's a little laminated card, and it says, when to go for two. And when you're up seven, you do not go for two. And apparently, and he shows the card, the camera cuts to the card. It says, "Go when to go for two. It's like a little thing on it he went he must have gone to the booth next to him and gotten this card and it says when to go for two and apparently that was not the situation to go for two so they go for two they get shut down so now he's only up seven when he could have been up eight and it bites him a little bit later down the road because the score plays out a certain way anyway derrick henry goes down with the titans and just makes Houston look like little kids at the end of the game and wins the game just by scoring the touchdown because of the way the score broke out. Derrick Henry, so, Derrick Henry, like many large backs before him, wears down defenses throughout a game. So you get yeah. time. He's still, he's still ready to go. It's like Jerome Bettis back in the day. Terrell, Terrell Before, I mean, to get to day. overtime though, because it wouldn't have been overtime had they just kicked the extra point. So to to get to overtime, all Derrick Henry had to do was march down the field, rumbling, tumbling. Like, they weren't going to stop him. Well, yeah, look at that 94-yard run. He separated from all those DBs like he was a speed back. Yeah, it was ridiculous. He is, he is the man. And anybody who has him on their fantasy team, congratulations. Ride him all the way to the playoffs is what you yes. need to do. We're going to have to try to find this uh, this. This card. I feel like this is like a blackjack card that you see in the casinos. Tell Absolutely. When to hit and stay. I feel like it's, we need one of these. We need one of these I'll, to carry around. I'll see if I can find an image of it. I didn't even know they existed until he's like, everybody has this. I don't know why Romeo went for it. And I was like, man, really bagging on the poor guy. Like basically saying, you're never getting a job again. All right, Romeo, do what you got to do, buddy. Next, the Ravens take on the Eagles. The Ravens use a fast start. And hold on as the Eagles score 22 points in the final quarter. But the Ravens are victorious by winning 30-28. Jalen Hurts got in the game, guys. Yeah, he's been making little frequent appearances in games. Remember last week when I said that the Steelers made Philadelphia look good? Yeah. I'm starting to think that that... Are the Eagles like an okay team and then just can't win the big one well 
the Eagles may be an okay team, but bad news for them this week as Miles Sanders goes down with an apparent knee injury and Zach Ertz goes out with an ankle injury. So those are two key offensive weapons for them that may not be available in the coming weeks. Special uh, special note, I, Hugh, I hope Hugh doesn't listen to this. Before Ertz got hurt, I went to make a trade because I have him. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of my tight end situation. I'm going to trade Cam Newton and Ertz away for Kelsey to Hugh and see what happens. And as soon as I hit confirm trade, it flashed across the bottom of the screen. Ertz is out of the game. And I was like, well, bet this doesn't go through. So, yeah, I felt, <laughs> I felt Philly's pain there. There you go. Next, we have the battle of Jim and I's NFC contenders, who we both <laughs> picked to go to the uh, Super Bowl from the NFC. The, Falcon, the Falcons versus the Vikings. Proof um, we are gurus of nothing. Proof that we are... <laughs> nobody should look to our previews and our predictions because they're probably not going to be right. Um, this is the first game post-Dan Quinn for the Falcons. Um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, the Falcons did come to play. Good on Julio. He came back. Falcons the Falcons win. offense I expected to see from week one today. I yes. agree. I agree. Falcons come just dominate throughout the game and win 40 to 23. Browns, Steelers. Listen, today, today is why Ohio hates professional football. This was an Ohio kind of day. This is what we've been missing for like four to five weeks in the NFL. This day. It was all built up for, oh, this is our big showdown with Pittsburgh. We have a chance. And the first deuce we done laid today because Cleveland, you embarrassed yourselves. You became Cleveland. They definitely show it's not time for them to be in the conversation yet for AFC North supremacy as the Steelers thwack them 38-7. to Nate, you said you got a chance to watch all this game, right? Yes, I did, and I think the Browns took their Halloween masks off early this year. Yeah, TJ Watt, you're a monster. You made me look like an ass in this argument over who's the best Watt, because TJ Watt was fantastic. That was just fantastic today. Yeah, they were just beating the hell out of Baker. And the guy came in with bruised ribs. (laughs) He he left. He may have to get that, uh, that pain shot. You know, well, they pulled him. I know. We had to give that Tyrod Taylor pain shot. (laughs) Avoid the lungs. Hashtag yikes. But so bad. It was good day for the Steelers, except starting linebacker Devin Bush is now out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, He is a course. He is a key member of their defensive team from a coverage standpoint. Get out of here. No, I got to go with Muff on this one, Jim. I mean, you lose Chazier. You've taken years to try to replace him. You finally get the guy that might be able to do it, and now you lose him too. Uh, they didn't have any problem without him today. Well, that was because they're playing the clowns. I'm sorry, Browns. Ooh. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. I mean, who's the threat in their division? The Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> and are they going to throw the ball around? No, but you need someone that's going to be able to chase down Lamar and tackle him and Ingram and your Ohio State boy. I don't. 
Yeah, because the Ravens just lost a running back today. I, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. Hey, Jim. We're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see. I feel like you've got a you've got a bad take going here, but we'll we'll come back to this later. Next, the Bengals versus the Colts as we continue on the Ohio train. The Ohio takes a poo number two. So the Bengals are riding high. They're like really laying it into Rivers. They even get Rivers to throw his first interception of the day. And then like though it seems to be the situation for Cincinnati, the wind just falls out of the sails. I just don't understand. It was a good game. It was competitive, but they just can't finish the job. And it became Ohio in the NFL. This more letdown. The Colts win by scoring 10 in the final quarter. Um, interesting fact about Philip Rivers that I came across this week, this past week, is he is in the top three, I believe, since the middle of last season of the amount of turnovers from the quarterback position, position in the entire league. That does not bode well with a team that wants to value possession, the ball, and let their defense do a lot of the talking. Well, I wonder how many times he's made the playoffs with that same turnover issue. Because oh, no. he's... He's Char- a winner. Chargers fan, do you tell us how many times he's made the playoffs? He's been there a bunch for a guy who's thrown, thrown the ball to the other team a lot. I mean, you would. I agree. I, I've always said, like, this guy turns over the ball way too much. But he always seems to be in contention with the Chargers and, and with the Colts. I don't understand. He's a valued quarterback, but he gives the team the ball, the other team the ball, all of the time. But today was the first day he threw his first interception. We're on what, week six? I'm not sure what you mean there. Please explain. It's very shocking that this is week six and he threw his first interception for Phillip Rivers is what I'm saying. Like, even the announcers were like, wow, this is his first interception. They literally said that during the game. I feel like you've been smoking some of the wacky tobacco, buddy, because he's definitely thrown interceptions all this season. And that's what they said. They're wrong. Well, I'm just going with what the announcers say. I'm not a, an aficionado of Philip River stats. This must have been the CBS DEF team. I'm not sure. Probably. I mean, it was Chris Spielman. I love him. He's from Ohio State, but took a little too many knocks. To took too, too many knocks to the head playing right. for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Next, Lions Jaguars DeAndre Swift. With a breakout game for 116 yards and two tutties, is he the answer to support Matt Stafford in the backfield as the Lions win 34 to 16? I don't know. I mean, I guess that makes up for his drop in week one to lose them. Ooh, he did lose them a game in week one, and I think it's taken him five weeks to gain favor with the coaching staff. <laughs> Another field goal kicker gets me lots of points. So. That's what I know about Detroit. Keep doing your thing, buddy. And the Bears improved to five to one. Improved to five and one as they come out on top. 23-16 against the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater throws two picks, but Nick Foles is the better quarterback. But the position that took the cake in this matchup were the kickers. 23 to 16. That's not a normal score in an NFL game. A lot of field goals, guys. And the Bears are leading their division. Just want to be clear here. The Bears are leading their division. 
Who'd have thought that? Not not us. Not us. I'm still on team free Mitch. I don't care what anybody says. Bring Mitch back. Next game, the Washington football team versus the New York football giants. This is another one of those overtime situations where they went for the win to avoid overtime and they failed. They went for two and it was embarrassing. I don't know who they thought they were. And I understand you're playing the Giants. But, like, let's take this to overtime. Come on. The Giants come away with their first win of the season, 20-19. Dan Jones is the leading rusher for the Giants in this game. That can't keep going if they're going to try to be competitive in this league. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it cannot. Okay. They, they need a win. They win's a win. Next, we have... The Denver Broncos versus the Cam Newton Patriots. This is where I want to drop the F word. <laughs> like, so bad. So bad. He got points in the Fantasy League. But, like, what is going on? Like, you had all this rest. Man, I understand you're recovering from the virus where you were self-proclaimed asymptomatic. But what is going on? I need you to, for all this shit I've talked to Muff, I need you to come through. He loses to Drew Locke, everybody. Drew Locke comes back for the Broncos. No, he lost to McManus, not Locke. That is true. This is another field goal fest. (laughs) 18 to 12, again, and not another normal score that you've got going on here. Ugh. Ugh. Next. Our favorite time right now, the Dolphins versus the Jets, because, oh. There's the only Jets. one winless team in the <laughs> NFL, and it's the Jets. Thank you, thank you. Scott, I feel like you're due up for another discussion here in the next few weeks. Yeah, he needs to come back on here, and he needs to, we need to discuss, are they throwing this or what? I don't know. Nate, what do you think? I mean, to score a goose egg against Miami, I mean, that does seem kind of intentional, even if Joe Flacco's in there. I mean, I mean, he's been there, done that. So, I mean, it's not like it. you don't have the talent around you, per se. I mean, sure well, they did have the talent around and they just keep trading it away. Him. Yeah, that's why they're keeping Adam Gase, is he's doing the job they want him to do. Lose. Right. <laughs> right. Oh. Well, maybe this is going to be Gase's niche. He's going to... He's going to come in places. He's going to just tear the team apart and then let somebody else rebuild it. That's going to be his thing. The Dolphins win 24 to nothing. Next, the Packers versus the Buccaneers. The battle of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady was not much of a battle. As Can we the... go back to that Miami game real sure. quick for a second? Did Tua get in? Tua yep. did get in. Good for him. I saw a little thing. I didn't read it, but Tua got in and... For a guy who thought his career was over, good for him for getting in. Yeah, there was some picture posted after the game. He went back out on the field afterwards and was sitting in Indian style on the 15-yard line just soaking it all in. Good for him. Yeah, Sorry, Muff. No, it was a nice image. I saw that as well. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, again, coming back, the Packers-Buccaneers. Buccaneers roll on this one and winning the matchup 38-10. to 10. Um, 
Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers came in here about 150 plus pass attempts without an interception. And within a span of five minutes, there's a pick six and another interception to lead the scoring or open the scoring up for the Buccaneers. As Tom Brady doesn't have a huge stat game, uh, Ronald Jones, I believe, solidified as the top running back with another 100-plus yard game, also rushing for two touchdowns. Nate, you got to watch a lot of this game, right? Yeah, I did, as a Bucks fan especially. I mean, before everybody gives me shit, no, I'm not a Bucks fan because of Brady. I've been a Bucks fan for years. Even bad when they were they were terrible, but anyway, I mean the Bucks defense to me was the story of the game today. Uh, I, mean, yeah. usually, I mean, usually they just get torched in the air by Breeze, they get torched in the air by Matt Ryan, but today they were all over Packers receivers. The pass rush was excellent, and definitely not the outcome I expected, winning by twenty eight points. I also think that Aaron Rodgers had a unusually bad game. Yeah, I think right after that pick six, I think he got a little bit rattled. And then yes, yes. that next interception, he was really rattled. And yeah, and he kind of he kind of went on tilt. And it was – he got smashed. Did you see where he, gets, he got smashed real good? Yeah. Going what, in for it. Yeah. He got called back. There. Yeah. And I think that kind of – he came up flexing, but I don't think he was all the way – good after that either so it was not his day no he was under duress all day yeah yep okay and as we speak the rams and the 49ers are playing with the 49ers up seven to nothing you watching the game nate of course i am (laughs) gotta see that aaron donald do something yeah i uh, i'm ready for the uh the chiefs Bills game leading for my fantasy team tomorrow night. We have a 5 p.m. Eastern time start with the Chiefs and the Bills again. Coming back to the the uh, additional games are really really helping out the beginning in the middle of the weeks right now. Get you through until the the next game. So who do we got? Who do we got tomorrow? We've got Chiefs, Bills, and Cardinals, Cowboys. I need the Bills <laughs> to go off. I think they bounce back, but I don't think they bounce back enough to win it. Oh, I need them to. I got two players playing tomorrow night. Okay, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell to the Chiefs this week in a big, big, big news story. How, what, how do we feel about this? Jim? He's not playing this week. Yeah, I, I don't think he can play this week. He's not playing this week. I'm just saying he went to no. the Chiefs. We haven't talked about this. No, I'm not happy about it. I'm you know who else is not happy about it? Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not happy about it. That's why I'm not happy about it. I like that kid. I, I like him. I think he, if they take him out, that's not cool. I think he should get his chance. Now, he's not the, the bruiser that Bell is, but I like him. I see big things for him, and they shouldn't cut him off. Oh, they shouldn't. They should let that Louisiana State boy go in there and play all games. I forgot the, the Roll Tigers. Go Tigers. There we go. All right. How about the Cardinals Cowboys? How are we feeling? I not even watched that game. I got zero interest in it. But uh, I yeah. think Cardinals <laughs> get it. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to be able to chuck the ball around like Dak did. It's going to be feed Zeke, feed Zeke. Yeah. I agree. I think Zeke's going to have a big day. Um, Tyler Murray. 
Kyler Murray could, uh, Kyler Murray could go off. I think he could. For I, you, I hope, because that's your boy, I right? I expect Andre Hopkins to have a big day because Dallas can't cover anybody. That's what we need. We need Kyler Murray to throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins a lot for me. Um, you betting on that game, Muff? It's already locked in, buddy. <laughs> Cardinals minus one. Put the money down. <laughs> I don't know why you keep betting on them. It's ridiculous. How many weeks straight is that? I took a week off last week, I'm pretty sure. Um, just want to call attention to the fact that the Cowboys will now have a red-headed signal caller in there. Is this the second coming of Jason Garrett in Dallas? Why is it going to be red-headed? Why you got to point that out, Ma? It's true. But, like, why you got to bring that up? You got something against that? I've Well, apparently people in Dallas have something against redheads in Dallas because uh, they just ran Jason Garrett out, and I feel like Andy Dalton may do the same thing as the season progresses. You know it comes from Texas. No, Jim. Cows. 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 Steers. Cows. All right. That that, uh, ends our little NFL recap and preview for the Monday night games. Now it's time to get into some bad calls from the week. Nate, uh, Nate had the opportunity to do some playoff games this week, yeah? Yeah, we did. You got any bad calls, Nate? No, not no bad calls I can think of, but we we're back on grass, so I had the beanbag problem, so I'm sure you're ecstatic. I am. Tell us more. <laughs> Tell us more. Oh, I mean, it's just one team running to run, run no huddle, plus you're on grass, so it's like, all right, now I got to get out of the way. Okay, where was the beanbag at? I can't even see the damn thing. So after every score, you're like walking down the field trying to find it. But are they cutting up, these? Are they cutting the grass? It's the playoffs. Like, are they keeping the grass low? Well, the field I was at, I mean, it, mainly in the middle of the field, it was pretty low. But I mean, once you get down in the end zone area, it was pretty high. But still, I mean, the beanbag's not going to stick up three inches or whatever. It's going to lay flat. And plus, it gets kicked, it gets stepped on. So you might think you know where it is, but then you go back to look for it. It's not where it was. Ugh, I'm sorry about this, Nate. Did you see the video I sent you of Nick Saban going off? I did. So, for those that don't know, Nick Saban, in the beginning of the week, diagnosed with the corona. And then he tested negative three times, and he was back to coaching. So, my question for you, Nate, if you are in this situation, and a coach gets in your face screaming with his mask down, what do you do? Well, I mean, I would assume, given – I'm not sure what the protocols are, but it seems like most of them were in mask coaches and officials in the college level. So, first off, I'm calmly responding to the coach. I'm not getting back and matching his energy if he's screaming and hooting and hollering. Right. But there's a time and a place for a coach to make get his point across. But, I mean, I couldn't tell from that video whether it was – like right after a down or after a score going to TV timeout would probably be better off for it. But Well, the, the point of that video was look how fast this referee throws that mask up on his face. Yeah. Um, but my Especially with a coach knowing you know he tested positive. So, yeah, you yeah. want to get that thing up there. So, my question is more hypothetical. Nate, 
you're about to go approach Nick Saban, who you know has tested positive, but now negative for the corona. What do you do, Nate? It's Nick Saban. How much shit are you going to take from Nick Saban? Or are you going to just walk away and let him go? It depends how heated he gets and what he's really arguing about there. So, I mean, I'll let him get his two cents in after a while. But once the decision's made, it's made. I'm going to tell him, Coach, the play's over. It's not going to change. So, if you want to carry on, I'll hit you with 15. And usually most coaches at that point, they'll just go start cussing under your breath, under their breath, walking away from you because they don't want to hurt their team with 15, but they'll make sure they get their point across to you. They'll stay in your ear the rest of the game. All right. I want you to be in a situation, Nate, where you match that energy. You come out with that BDE and just come at them. Oh, if I match that energy, I'm probably not going to be doing another game for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I guess we need the beanbag saga to continue. So yeah. Keep your calm. Keep your calm. Maybe that's how I would respond. I'd say, Coach, I know we probably missed that call, but have you heard of the beanbag bop? <laughs> <laughs> what you, oh, man. You need to have, like, your own personal speaker that you have, like, strapped to your arm. And in, like, in between quarters, you need to play that and just play it for the world to hear. Yeah, maybe keep my phone in my pocket or something, which is a no-no, but I'll still do it anyway. <laughs> Walking down the field, be like, is that ref got his phone in his pocket? What the heck do you listen to? What I want to so, know is if you shared the beanbag bop with your other offici- officiating friends. No, given all the wedding stuff I had going on this week, it was at the very back of my mind. All right, we'll forgive you this time. We we can let it slide. We can let it slide for the next couple of weeks because you've got you've got uh, honeymoon coming up too. So I don't know. Maybe I have to listen to it on the plane and share it on the plane with others. There you go. There you go. So no no bad calls with Nate next week, ladies and gentlemen. We have to let our friend go on his honeymoon, I guess. But you, when you come back, Nate, you better be ready. I'll be more than ready. All right. Throw a flag on Mickey for us. <laughs> if I can find him, maybe I will. <laughs> All right. Tell, tell, tell the world about sports stuff and Jim and Muff while you're down there. Yeah. We, we, we should have got some swag for you, a hat or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to get the missus to make me a shirt or something. Because I think she's thinking about making matching shirts or whatever she wants to do down there. So <laughs> That's perfect. Just tell the world about us. Get us some more listeners in, in Mickey land. I'll do my best. And that is our NFL recap in Nate's Bad Calls. Tune in next week as Jim and I try to find a way through this segment without Nate. (laughs) Maybe it'll just have to be a karaoke at a beanbag block. That's the one. It's the one I've already already tested my skills. I feel like it's Jim's turn. So maybe Jim will sing for us next week. See what I can do. Everybody get your beanbag ready to rock. Follow me and have fun to the beanbag bop. Do it, do it, the beanbag bop. Now it's time for the Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Three times. Three times, three times, going to be three times. 
come at me, come at me, everybody, especially Wilk. Um, the start of this week's Fast Five is going to a topic that has been part of the show really since its inception in Major League Baseball. Jim, do you know what team got eliminated over the weekend? I do. I do. Was it uh, was it your favorite team? It was actually my least favorite team. It was the Astros. The Astros made it a series coming back from a 3-0 hole to force Game 7, but then lose 4-2 to the Tampa Bay Rays in Game 7. Jim, what are your thoughts on this? Bye-bye, you cheating bastards. See you later. You're a liar! You're a cheat! You're a scam! You are a no-good son of a bitch! Good riddance. That's... Don't let the door hit you in the arse on the way out. I would have loved to seen him maybe get beat by the Dodgers for, you know, storyline purposes. Make it more interesting. Probably would have got more ratings. But they're gone. Now, how do I feel about the Rays? Is this not the team that, like, couldn't follow procedure and couldn't handle their COVID business? Am I right there? Uh, they weren't awful. I mean, the Cardinals and the Marlins were the, the biggest offenders. The Rays were not. Not a big offender. Okay. So it was – I have the wrong team. So, okay. You have the wrong Florida team. That's all. Wrong Florida team. <laughs> Same state, different team. Yeah, what are you going to do? So the Rays advance to the World Series, and they're actually going to play the winner of a game that is happening right now and is tied at 2-2 two to two between the Dodgers and the Braves. Pulling for the Dodgers here. Pulling for the Dodgers here. We, we need Joe Kelly to make his way to the World Series. We need our guy, Joe Kelly, hero of the show. We need him to make it there. So there was a, a historic part to a game earlier this week in game four of the National League Championship Series the Braves the Atlanta Braves put up 11 on the Dodgers in the first inning of game four real quick real quick they got it done that uh that's a quick way to just take it right in the teeth and just realize today's not your day and move on to game five well when you can't bang on a trash can what are you gonna do well, it wasn't the Astros that were losing here, Jim. It was the Dodgers. Oh, I thought – this is why I don't watch baseball. Can't keep track of everything. I thought the Braves put the runs up on the on the Astro. Well – Wrong series. Oh, well. Wrong series. But the Dodgers make a comeback, and that's mm-hmm. what matters. Dodgers, we're in game seven right now. All right, so let's do a little uh, – since we know we love baseball so much, let's do a little uh, little game here. Who, who okay. do we think is going to win tonight's game, Jim? The Dodgers or the Braves? I mean, I hope the Dodgers. I agree. Let's go with the Dodgers. Pulling for the Dodgers. Who we got in the World Series? Rays versus Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers. I'm going to go with the Rays because it will give me some vindication that uh, former Pirates players can do the job. Mm, I, you got to stick with Joe Kelly all the way. He's like made our show. 
Nope, I'm going to be the bad guy in here. I'm going to go against Joe Kelly in the World yeah. Series. I actually think our loyal listeners should boo you for this. Uh, let's get the Twitter machine rolling. Troll me up. Let's see how it goes. Like you turncoat. Do what you got to do. Sometimes you uh, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, you are. Next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Bram. Speaking of freaking villains. Speak of the devil and he shall appear. Set this up, Jim. So I... Woke up, I don't know what morning it was, Wednesday? And I saw that sports movie was trending. What is the all-time best sports movie? And I was like, you know what? Our audience deserves to chime in on this topic. So I said, what was the best sports movie? And our guy, Scott, who can't follow the rules, listed like 15 movies. I appreciate his enthusiasm. And you know he's our number one fan because he's the one who participates the most on our Twitter. So I appreciate his enthusiasm, but he couldn't follow the rules. Like, come on, man. So we tried to like rein it in and like, what's one. And they still did he, the second reply, I think he still had one or two. There were still multiple. And then he tried to spin the big Lebowski as a sports movie. And I called him out on it and, he, he he tried to just list every movie possible that people would like to to get some agreement. Ugh. So, th- this is the contest this week. And I'm dropping it early in the show. Okay? I would like to know what the all-time best sports movie is that you think we should put like the sh- for the sh- for the show. What is the show? What you think the show's movie should be? So, listeners, put in what you think the show's movie should be. And if we pick it, you will get the $5 Starbucks card. We already have winners from the first contest and the second contest. The goal here is by next Sunday, you get to put your entry in for what you would characterize this show's sports movie to be. There it is. What movie best represents the gurus of nothing? Next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Kyle Larson applies for reinstatement into NASCAR. Those of you who may not remember who Kyle Larson is, whenever NASCAR NASCAR was doing their E-Series, Kyle Larson was the man who uh, may have dropped a certain N-word during a live e-racing event. Now, let's let's set that up a little bit better. Kyle Larson was a fantastic driver. One of the best young guns in the sport. He climbed the ranks and was one of the best in the series. COVID hits. The Drivers of the sport all got together and did the E-Series where they drove basically video games, but very high-tech video games where they spend a lot of money on their setup um, and drove the video games. He drops the ultimate racial no-no and 
gets fired from his team, loses sponsors. Basically, bye-bye for your very bad racial no-no. He's now applying for reinstatement into the sport. We could delve into this if we want. We could do all the research and blah, 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 blah. But in a time where NASCAR has made great strides, to forgive him they may ultimately money talks and performance talks and he could probably say he went on a you know PR forgiveness tour and learned his lesson and went to PR rehabilitation I don't think the sport's ready for it you just brought in Michael Jordan the the Bubba Wallace thing like he's going in my mind has to do a lot and even then, I don't know, man. I see NASCAR reinstating him. I just don't see him getting a ride anytime in the near future. Yeah, I just – it would be a big, big risk. Now, do I think Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin pick him up and put him on their team? Maybe that's a possibility. And I know that's like, what are you talking about? That would be a huge step. And they, they could do a lot of talking and explaining and for, and for speak of forgiveness. Maybe, but as of right now on surface level, I don't think it's ready to, to do this. Now, as many know, I am a pro wrestling fan. We have fans that are pro wrestling fans. Um, Mr. Hulk Hogan, the legend of the sport, did what Kyle Larson did and dropped the bad, the worst word ever. And he has not been accepted fully back into the sport. Yes, he's made some television appearances, and this was years ago. And the world wrestling entertainment has let him back in. But even he's not clean of that big black eye. So I don't – this is Kyle Larson who doesn't have a championship. So we've seen precedent before of, of this happening and them being accepted back. But I just don't see it, in my opinion. All right, stay tuned. We'll see where this story goes. Next on the Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Bram. The Lakers are NBA champions. We uh, had a break-in during last week's episode on this. Um, so now we get to kind of unpack it a little bit more. Um, the Lakers are come out victorious. Uh, and people, as the NBA tends to do, are already talking about can they repeat and what is the off-season drama? I will say, from my perspective, the NBA has the best off-season drama. There's just always something going on. I feel like they could have a reality TV show around the NBA off-season. The players created this. You know, they they when they negotiated their contracts and made themselves the commodity and took the power away from the owners. They created this, and I think that that's a testament to them. Good for them. Um, 
but also it kind of hurts in the sense that like you either become the star and the hot commodity or you're nothing and that's that's an issue you either really you're the rising thing or you're just a role player so it's good and bad it has its you're either part of the drama in the offseason or you're not. You're either it or you're not it. Let's get back here to the Lakers. What does this championship mean for LeBron? Does it mean anything more, or is this just putting another star on the top of that cake? I think it was funny that when he ex- when he did his speech at the end of the game and he said, I want my damn respect or something, that variation. Was it not Damian Lillard out there? <laughs> right. I think it, people took pause and said, yeah, you do get some. Now, there's still going to be LeBron haters, and it's still going to be the Michael Jordan versus LeBron talk till the day my great grandchildren are, you know, are on this planet. But I think, I think this does put a notch in his belt that wasn't there before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, great. Another championship. That's what what he needs. Yeah, there's the Michael did it in six, six for six kind of a thing. There's that conversation. But I really I and this comes back to a little bit of the NBA. This is I'm, I'm not going to say this is LeBron buying into that drama, but he's definitely helping it stay at the top of the headline because I really don't think there are people that don't give LeBron respect for what he's done. They just in the comparison to Michael Jordan, there are people that still say that he is far away or at least far, far enough away where he's not in that, uh, not in that realm yet. And I think that's, that's, I think people know that LeBron's a great player, but they just don't think he's Michael Jordan yet. My hot take from it and comparing the two is Michael Jordan looked out for his brand, the bulls and winning. There are moments in LeBron where I think he looks out for the sport of basketball, the organization he's in, the NBA, and the other players around him. Like He seems to be playing the long game of who's on that team, who's on this team, who can I move around, who can I get paid here and there. He seems to be a larger game player, whereas Michael has a singletary focus of I'm going to win, I'm going to get paid, and I'm going to build my brand. And I might be way off base, but that's the way it looks to me. I mean, you're not, you're not, I don't think you're entirely wrong, but in Michael Jordan doing that, he also was able to very much popularize that sport beyond where it had been. So it was kind of the NBA was backing Michael Jordan in that way. It wasn't like he he was he brought the NBA with him in a way, and LeBron is bringing, not necessarily bringing the NBA because the NBA has been popularized, right? Would have been just not just as popular, but would have been popular without LeBron. Whereas Michael kind of raised the level of of popularity of the sport. LeBron just yeah. doesn't have doesn't have that opportunity. I mean, that's then just, that's it. That's, that's what real. I'm saying. So yeah. when the comparisons come, it's kind of like you can't compare it because. LeBron or Michael put the foundation down and LeBron's just carrying the, the torch along. Right. So it's unfair to, to look at it in that way. Um, have you seen that uh, there's a rumor going around that the Lakers may be wanting to bring in Chris Paul next year? 
I also saw Derek Rose. I've seen it all. And then I saw that Chris Paul might go to the Knicks. And if that happens, then Melo wants to go. It's everybody. It's that end of the year. Where are we going to end up? And what school? What grade? What Whose classroom? It's that everybody's talking right now. Everybody is talking. So we will see where the drama goes. One thing that has happened is Ty Lu named head coach of the Clippers, replacing Doc Rivers. To me, that's the storyline that people should be watching. Not just the Ty Lu's the coach, but like the Clippers are pissed. The shock that they got out so early. The Lakers are talking a little smack like we were waiting on them. Where were they? We thought they'd be there. Like that that storyline to me is a lot more interesting than who's going to end up where because they got a chip on their shoulder and they're coming and Kawhi's not messing around. So that's me. I want to see that next year. I want to see the L.A. teams do get out. L.A. drama on the basketball court, we hope. And last on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five, our NCAA football update. Now, we know, we know, Jim, football doesn't start till next week, but we still have to bring the sport along. Um, We had some interesting matchups, some information um, coming out of some of these matchups, which I think is cool. Uh, we've, We've referenced already Nick Saban, his positive test, then not. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Seems very fitting that, uh, you know, I don't know who did the test, but it may have been a state agency in the state of Alabama wanting to, you know, maybe have Nick Saban on the field. I'm not going to call total foul here, but uh, you just got to think about some things, guys. If you didn't think he was coaching that game, like you're high. He was in there all the way. Yeah. It was almost eye-roll worthy. Like he, Everybody knew he was coaching that game. Yeah, Alabama takes on Georgia in a high-profile matchup in Alabama rolls 41-24. to Next matchup we're going to chat about real quick is Pittsburgh versus Miami. Miami bounce, bounces back from their just terrible loss to Clemson um, by uh, coming out with a 31-19 win over Pittsburgh with Miami's defense carrying the load allowing only 300 total yards. I think they were they were pissed off from the Clemson loss and that was just that was going to happen. It was in their way. Next. Yeah. Auburn, South Carolina. South Carolina comes up with the upset over number 15 Auburn as the Gamecocks win 30 to 22. Interesting information here, Jim. This is only the second win ever for South Carolina over Auburn. It took almost 90 years for this to happen. Huh. Did not know that. I, I found it earlier, and I was like, huh, that's that's a long time, guys. Wow. Um, <clears throat> defense was the key here for South Carolina as they had three touchdowns off of three interceptions, not, not necessarily uh, pick sixes, but three touchdowns off of those turnovers. And they only needed 86 yards to get those three touchdowns off of his interceptions. So that was the key stat and turning point of the game. Next, Tennessee continues their downward spiral after last week's terrible loss to Georgia, losing 34-7 to to Kentucky. What's, that? What's the mascot? We got, we got just 
murdered on this question. It's it's the dog. It's Smokey. Smokey the dog. Smokey the dog. Not happy. Um, hedge, <laughs> just interesting here. Uh, head coach Jeremy Pruitt from Tennessee drew a $100,000 fine from the SEC for not wearing his mask properly in the Georgia game. You want me to tell you a secret? He won't pay one red cent of that. Oh, no, definitely not. A donor's going to pick that tab up real quick, and I bet his name is Clay. You remember that asset we talked about before? He's going to pay that fine for him right quick. There it's going to be. And here's the thing. I don't understand Tennessee. Like, you guys can't get together and, like, you are have a story program. This is the house that Peyton built. How do you let this trouncing happen from Kentucky? How many interceptions were there? Like, there's memes on it. Just Kentucky just taking the ball from you. I just it's ridiculous step it up tennessee step it up in a game earlier in the week coastal carolina upsets university of lafayette louisiana um, you got tons of notes on this one and i'm just it's, it's interesting why did this one draw your attention man it's interesting it was a thursday thursday night game um Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette was ranked going into this game. So, um, first off, Coastal Carolina, they're the Chanticleers. I don't even know what that is. So, I thought that was interesting. And I haven't done any Did research. Did you find on out? It. No, I have no idea. We're going to have to, somebody's going to have to tell us later. Somebody tweet us what the hell that is. What a Chanticleer is. Um, anyway, Coastal Carolina just joined the FBS in 2017. Mm hmm. They had obviously a successful run in the FCS to to gain um, to gain this this kind of traction. What I think is very cool about this team is their former head coach Joe Moglia stepped away in like 2009 from a very lucrative job as an online broker um, as a CEO of TD Ameritrade, which is an online brokerage firm, to to become a football coach just because he want, he loved the game that much. Um, and then at a time, whenever the, the COVID's going on right now, he actually has foregone his salary because he is now the executive director for football and the chair of athletics at Coastal Carolina and is only earning a $1 salary this year of what should be almost a $200,000 salary. So he gave up 180K and as a stockbroker? No, no, no. I'm going to guess he was probably making millions as a stockbroker. He quit that in 2009. 180K is what he was scheduled to make this year as their executive director of football and the chair of athletics and said, COVID's having a lot of problems here, guys. Just give me a dollar this year. Hmm. Well, it seems like a good dude. So I don't know a, why you took such an interest in this though. It's a good story. It's a feel good story. It's a feel good story. The Shannon clears come away with that. And then this, this kind of goes along with it. So you see that, you know, somebody who came up as a high school football coach, he actually um, was like an unpaid intern at a college program for two years and then ended up getting a job and then worked his way up to head coach at coastal Carolina. 
it's just a feel-good story. I feel like you're gonna make this guy the hero, one of our heroes. He's 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 my guy right now. Um, All right. And last, Clemson solidifies their current number one ranking with a 73 to seven drubbing of Georgia Tech. Um, <sighs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. We're, read we're, off these stats. We're not even gonna get into the stats because I know you have an issue later on that we're gonna we're gonna rattle here. Um, just want to make everyone aware a little little fast fast fact trivia for you here. Um, Georgia Tech in 1916 is on record as the most lopsided victory in college football history with a 222 to zero win over Cumberland. I believe it was college, community college type of situation here. Uh, I feel like it's a little payback. I feel like Clemson got in there and just took him to town. Okay. Good for them. Like, I don't know what else to say. And we'll get to that in the next segment, but it was Georgia Tech. Like, what did you expect? A good game? Competitive? What did you want? I don't know who the U is in this situation, but I am just saying. I'm talking about the, the, the pundits. Are you shocked by the drumming, Muff? Well, no. But their starters also only played like the first half. Okay. All right. Anything else in the Fast Five, sir? And that wraps up this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's your favorite time in mine. The good, the bad, and the asset. <laughs> Had a hard time finding uh, the asset, and then it popped up, so get excited. We're going to start off with the good. And the only good that really matters to me this week, guess what's back? Big Ten football, baby. Muff, you pumped? About to get super excited for college football this week. And everybody remember, I will be betting on every Big Ten game this week, and I will post my picks. I'm excited. I'm super excited. I don't think I've ever been more excited. I have to go to a wedding. The wedding starts at 3. Ohio State starts at noon. Um, Congratulations, Goose and Jenny. I'm going to be there. I remember my dedication that I'm going to be there. The game will probably still be going on, but I'll be there. I might tape my phone to my wife's head so that I can see the wedding and the game because, baby, Big Ten football is back, and that's my good for this week. The bad. This might go a little long. Muff, you can wrap me up. I, I, I dub you the control in the situation. So yesterday, that was Saturday, I'm uh, driving to work, and our guy, Marty Smith on Marty and McGee, was just gushing over Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence for Clemson, the quarterback, is a fantastic player. I mean, they beat Ohio State. We all know Ohio State homer. 
but I give credit where credit is due. Trevor Lawrence is a great guy. But to say that Trevor Lawrence is the second coming of Jesus for me right now is an issue. ESPN has come out. There's like 15 people in ESPN on this Heisman frontrunner team. 13 out of 15 have voted for him to be the Heisman frontrunner. And he got two second place votes. Those two people had Travis Etienne, uh, Clemson's running back, as the first place. And I don't really, I don't understand it because Clemson hasn't played any threat. The ACC is not going to beat Clemson. This is not going to happen. And I know you Notre Dame fans are like, what? We have a shot. We're in this year. You're not going to beat them. This is not going to happen. We need to quit keeping on all of this praise onto Trevor and Clemson. It's COVID year, man. We're all playing the conferences. Nobody stepped outside the conferences and challenged themselves. You're not going to hear me talk about Justin Fields as the next coming of the Heisman guru. It's not going to happen because he's not going to play anybody. Sorry, oh, Muff. I take Sorry, offense Muff. to what you just said. And, and we we'll, may end we'll, this episode early. <laughs> we'll get into that in the breakdown. I'm, I'm warming everybody up. But he's not going to be challenged and, until he plays in Alabama or Clemson. It's just not going to happen. Let's wait until they can step out of their, quote, bubbles in the conference, and then we'll see what they got. So all of you pundits, I believe it's bad form, and that's my bad, to start heaping on the praise for this 72 to nothing, 72 to 7, drumming, to use Muff's words, of a Georgia Tech. That's my bad for the week. Muff, you care to comment? Other than the fact that it's trash, Penn State. Well, I'm going to come out and say, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is uh, deserving of this praise right now, and you can't, Ugh. you can't, uh, you can't come off and say that he has not over the past two ish years. The um, Heisman counts one the year you're in. You don't count the year before. I agree. I'm just saying, why can we not give the man praise? If he's I said playing we could praise him, I praise him. He's a good player. What else are they supposed to talk about? Who else is a Heisman candidate right now? Aside from him and Travis Etienne. Muff, you do not give – you don't make him. And they're, I'm trying not to get down the political realm that they've kind of pushed us down. You should, and I don't, want to, I don't want to beat up on Marty. I like Marty. But essentially, they were making him the be-all, end-all of college football, giving him credit for bringing college football back. He was the sole reason that we have college football back. Oh, he, we come to the real issue here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> his dedication to the game and his love of the game and his talents and 
and it's all Trevor. Like, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. Fantastic player. Beat Ohio State last year. Good on you. He hasn't played anybody. That's a challenge to him yet. And I want to see what he's got this year outside of his little bubble. Did he put in the work? Did he, was he alongside some of the other players in the campaign to help college football come back? Yes, he was. But he is not Superman that they're making him out to be. That's all I'm saying. He is mortal. That's my, that's my bad for the week. Come at me. You know how to tweet me. All right. Let's move on to our asshat of the week. Thank you. This, and, and people are going to think I hate kickers, but so the kicker from UCF fights his teammate. Daniel Obarowski missed a potential game-winning field goal with 19 seconds left. <laughs> okay, so uh, he's not an asset for missing the field goal. That shit happens. But he goes to the sidelines, very distraught. His teammates try to console him. He kind of rebukes their consoling. And the backup quarterback comes to him and kind of runs his mouth. From what you can see, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't hear the audio. But you can see body language that the backup quarterback kind of ran his mouth. And it's kind of like the kicker comes back and like starts chirping back. And the kicker starts punching the medical tent. And then the camera quickly pans away, pans back, and, like, the backup quarterback and the kicker are being separated, and it's a tussle. Fellas, calm down. Don't act like an asset. Same day, same team, guys. Same team. Same team. Now, who is the asset in this situation? This is how I feel. Backup quarterback, if you came over to that kicker and you did not, you weren't supportive, you ran your mouth, you are the asset. Kicker, if you're throwing a baby fit and you want to come after your teammates for trying to help you, you're an asset. So I've decided, much like with my children, when you can't figure out who's at fault here, they're both asshats. The double Let it sort hat. itself out. The double ass. Double ass. I just don't feel like you know sorting it out. I don't think we need to waste our Twitter fans' time sorting out these juvenile behaviors. They're both assets. <laughs> Not only do they lose, but so does the medical tent this week. Yeah, poor medical tent. Ugh. So that's the good, the bad, and the asset. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived. The Big Ten East breakdown. A potentially contentious situation will unfold here within the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes. So hold, <laughs> hold on your knickers, hike up your shorts, put on your big boy and big girl pants. It's about to get real. Yeah. Well, this is the real... Big Ten. This side of the Big Ten is the real Big Ten. And then the two contenders 
well, we got vested interest in it. So get ready. Get ready. It is that time. We're going to run through the teams. Then we're going to have to have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a coin toss type situation to figure out who comes first as we get to our respective teams. But before we get there, we're going to break down the rest of the Big Ten East division, starting with the Hoosiers from Indiana. Yeah, I think this is the uh, sneaky sleeper, in my opinion, um, where they might upset some of the big dogs. Uh, Quarterback, they got two. They got Michael Penix Jr. and Jake Tuttle from Utah as the backup. Uh, Running backs got Stevie Scott, the third, and Samson James. Plenty of wide receivers, but the O-line is the issue. Um, Hopefully they can strengthen it up with some of their freshmen coming in. Um, But they got no depth, and it kind of lacks some talent. The D-line has improved. Um, They are returning players from a young team last year. They seem to always be a threat. Um, I don't like when Ohio State plays them. I'm not a big fan of playing Indiana because they can – they play a different style of football. They're always that odd ball when you play them. Um, but I can see them upsetting. Uh, I can see them upsetting an Ohio State, a Penn State. I can see it happening. They do. They, they, they're kind of like have that run and gun air raid type of style going on right now. Um, it's really going to be can their defense – hold up against some of those better teams and can they win in a shootout or will they, will they not be able to keep up over time and their defense be the reason they falter? We will see. They've got key games against Penn state, Michigan, Ohio state and Wisconsin. So we'll see what Indiana does this year. Moving on next to the Terrapins from Maryland. Yeah. So had a great for them recruiting season. Um, Ended up getting ranked in the top 35. Second-year coach, second coach Mike Loxley from Bama is in a rebuild mode. Quarterback uh, Josh Jackson is okay at best. Um, the backup, Lance LeGrade, is there. Um, they have experience at wide receiver, a talented young running back, but an O-line that needs – they need prayers. Um they have the depth, but if they don't have the talent, defense, they have some new spots, new stuff. They can fill them, but they need help. Um, so basically, both lines are kind of in need of revamp and and help. I think that the recruiting that has been done may help that. Um, we'll see what happens. They were last in a lot of spots or next to last. We all know who was last, Rutgers. Um, but we'll see. I, I think there's, they're a big question mark. I don't see the outcome coming very well, but we know they're not going to be last. We will see. Maryland, I was actually at in a nice stadium. I was at the Penn State-Maryland game last year. Nice, nice stadium, nice little atmosphere, I will say. Um, 
did not go well for Maryland, though, as they lost big. This was one of those uh, Friday night games last year, so it was interesting. It's pretty pretty cool experience. Stayed in downtown D.C., went to the game. Yeah, it's a good time. Did you get any seafood? In D.C.? No. Okay. <laughs> was, wasn't there really long, to be honest with you. Got in there on a Friday afternoon for the game and left Saturday morning. All right. Next. Well, we'll say it's next. Um, Rutgers. We're not doing it. And just so everybody knows, on at least in my opinion, I think Muff agrees. We don't talk about Rutgers because F Rutgers. Whereas we, not that we hate them. We just don't believe they belong in the Big Ten. We don't know why they're there. Kick them out of the league, Kev. Yeah, get them out of there, Kevin. Get them out. So moving on to another team, an actual team, Michigan State. Get a new coach in. Yeah, and this is going to be weird, at least for me, to see this new coach because it kind of ushers in a new era. Um, the Mel Tucker's from the he's played under Coach Trestle from Ohio State and Saban on both of their national title teams. Um, I'm used to D'Antonio, right? Yep. Have you? I don't remember the coach before him. Nope, they've got like a, a Pittsburgh Steelers type situation. They right, they, they pick somebody and hold on to him. And D'Antonio came from from Coach Trestle from Ohio State, so I don't honestly I don't remember. Um, the quarterback situation is up in the air. There, they got Rocky Lombardi. Talk about a football name. That's an all time um, name right there. Right, Theo Day and Peyton Thorne. They're returning ten of their O line. Um. They're okay at running back with Elijah Collins. Lost three wide receivers, but some talent has emerged. Some of their younger guys have stepped up. Um, defense is getting better, but is also rebuilding. They brought back – this is the key point. They brought back the secondary coach um, from the big years where they beat the hell out of Ohio State. And I think that's going to be – that's going to play a factor. I think coaching – is going to be key for Michigan State. Do I think this is the year that you see a rebound? No. Do I think they beat Michigan? Maybe. Could be the in-state rival that we need to see there. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, every time you replace kind of an iconic head coach, um, unless it's somebody that is well-recognized, it may very well be within the Michigan State family. I'm not sure here. Uh, the recruiting the recruiting trail is where it's tough. So that's where we got to see. Can he recruit? And I think this year is a fine year for him to, to step into this role because I think Harbaugh, and we're going to get to that in the next game, he's on the hot seat. And I think if he – if the Michigan State coach shows out, if he could pick up a win against Michigan and then Ohio State beats Michigan – I think little brother can take the place of big brother. And that's my opinion on the recruiting trail between Michigan and Michigan state. At least that's what I hope for. Cause we all know how I feel about Michigan. And by the way, this is the last time you'll hear me say the word Michigan. Right there. I mean, this today, today's the last episode you'll hear me okay. say it. Cause come kickoff. 
It's over. It's back to we don't talk about that. T-T-U-N. Yep. And the last team, as Jim has alluded, that we're going to talk about before we get to the uh, the two heavyweights here, the Michigan Wolverines. Harbaugh on the heart seat, hot seat, as Jim has said. Um, questions at quarterback? Yeah, they got Dylan, Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton. Um, they've retooled, which seems to be just a running catchphrase for Harbaugh. They've retooled their O-line. Um, the running backs are talented. Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonneau, Charbonnet, Charbon, whatever. I don't really care. Um, Nico Collins is back at wide receiver. Um, defense sees a lot of returns, but the secondary is still kind of weak. Real issues here will be play calling. Um, he's trying to put in like three different systems over the last three years. And they work until they get to the big one. And then it just takes a poop. Yeah, he's been – Harbaugh's been trying to put in like a pro-style type of offense. You know, I think that was part of his his recruiting was, I'm going to prepare you for the NFL and you'll be ready to step right in. It's not going to be this run-and-gun air raid. Um, that you're seeing a lot more teams be successful with. Um, you're going to play a style that's going to translate very easily as you go from college to the NFL. Well, haven't had a lot of prospects coming out of there from that pro-style offense. So I feel like now's the time to to either, either uh, shit or get off the pot for Harbaugh and how he's going to play call. Yeah, and as far as big games go, like Penn State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan State, Ohio State. I don't see him beating Penn State. I don't see him beating Ohio State. I think Indiana can sneak up on him. And Michigan State's a toss-up. So if he doesn't have his things together, it could be rough. In my opinion. Could be a tough season. Now we've come to the time. Yeah. We have to to figure out how we're going to decide who goes first here. I think we talk about Ohio State a lot. I'll go first so we can end with Penn State. How about that? Okay. I'm going to let you you chat about a team in the Columbus area. So, Ohio State, notice I left out the other word, um, is armed with a lot. Obviously, Justin Fields, um, running back, Master Teague, which is a fantastic name. Marcus Crowley, um, Steel Chambers. I don't know how these running backs get these names. DeMar- Demario McCall um, or Oklahoma transfer Trey Sermon. All those are running backs. Wide receiver Chris Olave, my guy, big fan of him. Garrett Wilson, another standout at wide receiver, and tons more. So on the offensive side, they have weapons coming out their ears. And the offensive line has depth. There's not a lot of worry on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, question marks. And as as far as defensive question marks can be at Ohio State, um, they've lost Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, Jordan Fuller, Malik Harrison. 
all to the NFL. Um, there's some question marks because a lot of heavy hitters are gone. They do have tough Borland back at linebacker. Sean Wade came back from, hey, I'm leaving because of COVID. Um, and the defensive line has some depth. Uh, but Tariq Smith and Zach Harrison have to step up. Coach Day is, is I hear him every week. He's saying he has his guys prepared. He has been in the meetings. Um, the strength coach is beyond phenomenal. Um, the secondary coach is returning from the NFL from the storied careers of his national title runs. They have no reason not to make it to the championship. Except for they do have some, I'm going to go with one big game in their side of the conference. And it just so happens to be Penn State. I do not believe Michigan is a threat. I don't believe anybody else is a threat. And I'm going to knock on a ton of wood because I don't talk like that. You can ask Muff. I don't like to jinx my team. You'll never bet on Ohio State game. But if we're being realistic, I think Penn State is the only threat. Go ahead. That was as fair and honest as I could be. Okay. We now come to Pennsylvania State, Nittany Lions, led by James Franklin. Three of the last four seasons have had 11 wins, three New Year's Six Bowl games in that time, and if not for a team from the Columbus area, they may very well be and probably would be the favorite to win the Big Ten this year. So the strength of this team this year will be the offensive side of the ball. Eight starters returning, um, including quarterback Sean Clifford, broke out last year. Um, the offense is going to go as he allows them to go, not because he's the only weapon, but because he is the one that will allow the running backs, the lawn boys, to um, to open up the game. Um, they also have a backup quarterback in Will, will Levis, uh, who could kind of serve that, like, Taysom Hill um, in New Orleans role um, coming in and just being a, a nice change in the backfield, giving you the option to to pitch and then throw and do some different things there. So that'll be fun. The deepest position, though, is at the running back uh, with Journey Brown, Noah Kane, and Devin Ford all returning um, for the Lawn Boys. Last year they had combined for eight 100-yard games. So um, here's hoping they can chew up the yards in the running game. Uh, at wide receiver, this is this is that spot that you're just not sure of. They lost KJ Hamler to the NFL, went early, so uh, could have had him there. Um, really, only uh, Jahan Dotson is really the only wide receiver coming back from last year of note, um, and he had you know almost 500 yards and five touchdowns last season. So it's be a very inexperienced position, um, but they do have Pat Fryermuth returning um, at tight end, who was the second leader receiver anyway. Um, I'm going to make a statement here. Not only is Penn State known as linebacker you, but are they tight end you now also? Coming out with I a lot of tight ends. That. At least within the Big Ten. Within no, the Big I agree Ten. With that. Um, so we'll see where that goes. The offensive line returns four of their five starters from last year. So, again, another probably bigger strength of the team. Um, I would say they probably got a top three O-line in the conference. Maybe top two. We'll see. To the defense, this is where the question marks are right now, just because of some unknowns. 
We don't have Micah Parsons coming back. Declares for the draft and says, not coming back, guys. I have the option, but I'm not going to opt back in. Only four starters returning, which they do have it mixed around there. They've got Shaka Tony at DN, Brandon Smith at linebacker, hoping he's going to replace Micah Parsons and be the next great linebacker in Penn State history. Um, safety Lamont Wade, who is their leading tackler last year, so that's good. And then Tariq Castro-Fields, a solid cornerback. So there's going to be a lot of young talents that are going to have to come in here and step up in the defensive side of the ball. Um, key games, Ohio State on Halloween weekend. I'm going to say, I have to say this, advantage Ohio State in an early season matchup, especially with a lot of new players on the defensive side of the ball. And then, Except it's Halloween. I don't know what that means. Every Halloween game in my lifetime is not fun, whether it's away or at home. It's not fun. So that's our breakdown of Penn State. Um, I guess we have that's to... your breakdown of Penn State. That was my breakdown of Ohio State. My comment on your team is that they need to fire James Franklin. I hate James Franklin. Yeah. I will forever hate James Franklin. I, I don't care if Ohio State didn't exist. I hate James Franklin hate him jim has been staunch on this take for years folks for years oh he has horrible decision making he loses i think he, he's lost games to ohio state that he shouldn't have lost by his bad decision making he just he hurts you guys the most and i think if you want my honest opinion about the halloween game i think our we will out coach you and that's how we will win that game. That's it. Because your breakdown and my breakdown pretty much is going to be an offense versus offense. Where it's looking like. And then, it, so to me, that's going to come down to coaching. That's my opinion. And James Franklin is not armed for that battle. We will he's not going to be on the hot seat at Penn State. No, because he recruits really well, and they love him there right now. Right. Bring back Joe Pa. Maybe he'll come back from the dead on Halloween. I'm sure he'll be in the stands somewhere. If, oh. if there are people in the stands, I don't even know. For those of you who don't know, I, I am a fan of Joe Pa. That is, I, and I am a Ohio State guy, but I was a fan of Joe Pa. Which is how Muff and I are okay talking about our two teams because I respect the tradition of Penn State. But damn, get rid of James Franklin. Okay, well, we have to we have to toss our predictions out here now. Yeah. In in, uh, in the fashion of last week, we'll uh, we'll start with our bottom. <laughs> we may as well just start with our bottom three because I think we know who our last place team is. Oh yeah, yeah. Rutgers. Both can have Rutgers pulling up. Pulling up the bottom. Uh, if you don't say they're 0 and 8, I'm still going to write down that you're going to say they're going to go. Yeah, 0 they're 0 and 8. Okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, I'll start with mine. My next two are Indiana at 3 and 5, and then uh, Michigan State at 5 and 3. I got Maryland at 3 and 5, and Michigan State at 5 and 3. Okay, and then here's uh, 
here's my big my big take here. I'm gonna say Maryland goes five and three this year. I think you're off base, buddy. We're about to find out. And then I have Michigan at six and two. I have Indiana at five and three. And I'm assuming you have Michigan. Yeah. Six and I gotta see who they play. Hold on one second. I'm gonna say six and three. Six and two? Three. Well, no, five and three. Sorry, you're right. They're losing three games. Okay. Now we come to this. Sorry, buddy. I think just, we know the score there. Just so everyone knows, I tried to trick Jim here in our show notes that we look at. Tried to uh, tried to put up there that uh, at Ohio State going eight zero in first place. Well, guess what, Jim? Those notes aren't going to be what I go with. Yeah, I figured. That is exactly what I'm going to go with, though. Got Penn State going 8-0 and taking the Big Ten East. Jim has Ohio State going 8-0, I'm guessing, and taking the Big Ten East. You are correct. Well, we're going to find out very quickly. We've, we've got two weeks before a big matchup. Yeah. I will say, I did say Penn State will go 7-1. and one. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who beats them. Besides Ohio State. All right, everybody. There is the breakdown of the Big Ten East Division. Our winners, our losers, and the ongoing battle of the supremacy of the division for the remainder. I don't think I've ever openly said to you, your team's going to lose in the years of friendship. I don't think I've ever looked at you and said, you're a big fat pony, Jim. So here we go. <laughs> it's a day of firsts. Oh, man. That feels awkward. <laughs> All right. That is our breakdown of the Big Ten East. We broke down the Big Ten West. Tune in next week. When we say who's going to take the Big Ten championship. Oh, are we kidding? <laughs> We're going to do that? I mean, or we can just say right now, whoever wins the Big Ten East is going to win it. Yes. There we go. We all know yes. how each of us feel on this. That's just, but yes. Get out of here. Jim has Ohio it's going to be Ohio State. State or Penn State. We'll win the Big Ten title. And you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Jim has conceded that Penn State is in the running for this. Well, yeah. I mean, if they beat Ohio State, knock on wood, God forbid. They're they're gonna win the Big Ten title. I don't know who on the other side's worth a damn. Maybe honestly, Rutgers, maybe Rutgers will pull off an upset somewhere. <laughs> Not to make it to the Big Ten title game, but you know, maybe they'll they'll no. Maybe they'll play into this and t- knock off a, a top team. Like who on the other side can beat Penn State or Ohio State? Honestly, um, I mean Nebraska wants to think that they can, but they can't. I will tell you this much right now. Mark my words. Somebody who listens, hold me accountable. If Nebraska runs the tables, goes undefeated, and meets either Buff's team or my team in the Big Ten Championship, 
beats one of our teams and goes 9 and 0 i will have another party for their championship playoff run and i will wear a nebraska outfit i will wear a shirt i will become a nebraska fan i will do everything i can to get a hold of scott frost and do we know why muff because there is a very, very small chance that that will happen. That, and he flipped the bird to Kevin. <laughs> Scott Frost, in pretty much any other scenario, could be our guy. Could be. So if he makes the run, I will become a Scott Frost Nebraska fan. But that's a tall order for Scott Frost. Gonna take a lot. Gonna take a lot. All so right, there everybody. You there you have our breakdown of the Big Ten. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this week's episode of Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. The Big Ten starting next week. You're gonna hear a lot of trash talk from us. Just generally, not even trash talk, but just probably gonna see a lot of Big Ten stuff coming out of the uh, the social medias here in the next week or two. Um, another shout out to last week's winner. Uh, for the the songs, the song choice coming to us, that was Alex, loyal listener, sending us the song "Good Good Night" by Roscoe Dash, which you will hear as the outro to this week's episode. Uh, as a reminder, the competition this week: send us the movie that best represents the sports stuff with Jim and Muff podcast and represents us as a show. Um, last, well, actually, next to last. Uh, we have created a playlist on Spotify for the party. Get we pumped. You, we want you all to follow it and send us songs that you think may be cool to add to this. And we'll, 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 we'll look at them one by one. Um, if you want to look, find this playlist on Spotify, it is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff Party Mix. <laughs> I feel like it's like a mix CD for us. It is. Dropping a mixtape. Dropping a mixtape. So feel free to uh, send us any songs that you think will be great. Uh, we're looking for, you know, hype songs, pump up songs, things that we'd want to listen to during the party. During the party when we are together watching uh, hopefully a great day of Big Ted football. And lastly, be on the lookout this week, folks. I will give you the key to gambling on this week's Big Ten matchups. I will have a bet for every game. A bet for every Muff's game. Muff's hot picks. Hot picks. So I don't Where should we find this, Muff? Oh, I'll post them on the Twitters and on the Instagrams. All right. You'll see. You're giving spreads? How are you betting on this? Give us a little uh, breakdown real a, quick. A bet per game. So it could be a spread bet. It could be a money line bet. It could be an over-under. But at least a bet on every game. All right. I'm excited. So look into what will come later this week as we outro to Good Good Night by Roscoe Dash. Thank you. Get up on that table, I love your sexy body and I know you love this paper